back to another episode of the podcast. Derek, thank you for joining me on this little bit cloudy day today. You yeah, know, cloudy days. At least it's not frigid out. It is not you frigid know? out. I was able to run without passing out this morning, which very, is a very plus. Nice. Yeah, okay. super good. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it's been pretty busy, huh? It's been pretty yeah. wild the past couple of days, huh? Yeah, I think uh, the market has taken a breath, which we talked about in our last video from March. But I do think that things have still continued, right? It's not like we slowed down or stopped at all. Correct. Exactly. And then outside of that, you just had eye surgery. I did just have eye surgery. So shout out to Kovac Eye Institute for my beautiful new eyes via smile procedure. So how much did they give you down for saying that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm waiting for my first referral. Check, for some yes. discount there. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I did have eye surgery. I am I am filming today for the first time without contacts, glasses, or anything. So. So, pretty good. I mean, you're having eye surgery. I'm car shopping right now. Which would you, who do you think is in a worse position? Mm, car shopping sounds infinitely worse than eye surgery. It's horrible right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, 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 the cars just seem to be nuts. Um, no one is seeming to help me. Yeah. Right. And interest rates are up in that, in that, in that industry as well, too. I think I remember when it was car shopping, that was one of the worst times for reading reviews because you will find directly contradictory reviews on every car. Every single person I've talked to either hates leasing or loves leasing. Correct. Or hates used cars, loves used cars. Down to like your tax professional will have a different take on what's best for you. <laughs> I'm getting feedback from the cashier at Target right now on which car I should buy. And everyone's got some input. Eh? It's, it's, somewhere. it's miserable. So as you can imagine, I've been stressing out about that a little bit. Yeah. I hate this car already. Whatever <laughs> car I drive, I'm I hate. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like. I don't yeah. like it. You yeah. Know? All right. So today, going to be a fun one. We've done stories in the past. Mm -hmm. Today we're doing uh, questions, right? So um, Derek and I have polled our audiences on Instagram, some of the people we know that podcast, some of our clients. And these are questions that are consistent, easy to address, and hopefully impactful uh, for everybody who's watching. So I think, you know, maybe starting with sort of the most broad question or one that's really relevant for a lot of buyers right now. I'm getting a lot of questions about timeline yep. and specifically it's when should I start the process of buying a home? So in my mind, when, I mean, literally when buyers call me, I say, have you talked to a lender yet? Yep. So I would, I mean, what do you think? When should a buyer talk, start that process or talk to you to start finding a home? Well, first and foremost, I never think it's too early to look, or at least to look into buying a house, right? right? Um, it allows you to kind of get your ducks in a row. It allows you to kind of learn about the process a little bit. But what I also think is very important is it allows us to uncover surprises, right? right? For instance, I had a really good friend who was doing very well in his job. They had a lot of money saved up. To his knowledge, their credit was in line, yeah. okay? We took a look at his credit report maybe 60 days before he was gonna buy. And for some reason they had missed maybe a dollar and 50 cent payment on a credit card which plummeted their score 60 points. Yeah. Okay. So this was not something that they had any idea about. Right. right. So luckily we were able to work with them and remove the air that dropped that credit, but 60 days isn't typically enough time to do something like that. Right. That's typically a fix that could be anywhere from 90 to even 120 days out. Right. Well, and if you don't start earlier, you leave yourself in a position where you might be bidding on a property. And, you know, when I'm in a competitive situation, usually they want a 30 to 60 day close. Yeah. So if you're not aware of things causing credit hiccups and now we uncover it once you're under contract, 
Yeah. I mean, there's very low odds that you're going to be able to close on that property. Exactly. Exactly. And who's to think that, you know, I'm getting calls from listing agents that want to know about the file. Right. Right. And if we don't have a strong file, then they may not push us to the top of the list. And that is, I mean, what Derek's talking about is when we make offers, the listing agent of the property usually will follow up on a buyer's pre-approval and have a conversation, even briefly, just about, is this a real pre-approval? Have you had a discussion with them? Are you confident in the finances? And I mean, if you're not in a position to have that conversation, it does not help my buyer. I mean, not in the least, yeah. right? You know, because again, like we had mentioned in previous episodes, it's hyper competitive right, right. now. Right. So anything and everything that will give us the edge and credit's one of the giant things that we're looking at in my world, Yeah. right? So to sum it up, I, I, I don't think that there's a specific time, but what I will tell you is if you're thinking about it already, I would open up that conversation with a professional. Oftentimes what we're able to do is we're able to set people up for their goals. Right. and to set them on the right track for a specific down payment to afford a specific property or whatever it may be. I think that's the important part is functionally, we know you need 30 days to process a loan, but we don't want to lock a rate over 90 days ideally, right? Exactly. The problem with that is if you don't leave yourself enough time to hunt, and some people find a home in one minute, some people find a hunt in a year, like right? People that are going over two years right now. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. we've all been there and you don't know which buyer you're going to be because you don't know how many homes are going to really fit what you're looking for. Yep. So I think the, the, the important takeaway here is you don't want to cut it so close that that 30 to 90 day period is extremely stressful. So exactly. if that means for you six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever it is, find a way to find comfort with leading into your search. Well, you make a good point, right? And exactly what a lot of people's hesitation is, is the credit pull. Right. Right. Yeah. They don't want this yeah. hard inquiry. The hard credit pull. Correct. You, you know, this hard inquiry pull. Right. Which I don't know what article put this out there on NerdWallet. I'm sure whatever, there's got to be one. It's right? the bane of my existence yeah. right now. Right. And that's not to say go get your credit hit on multiple times. Right. I'm not advocating that. We don't want that. Right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is one or two pulls from a lender within a 30 day period isn't going to plummet your score. Right. 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 You know, and in most cases, it doesn't do anything to your score. Right. So if you're a buyer that's thinking about buying a home, you have about 120 days right there on that credit report. Right. right? So, I mean, essentially you got roughly four months. Yeah. Okay. So if you think that that's enough time to buy a house, then, you know, maybe start right off the bat. Right. You, you want to get your credit pulled, go look at a house. I get that. Right. But if we have our credit pulled and then three months later, we need to pull our credit again. That's not going to do anything to your credit report. Yeah. Not the end of the world. So then with that said, Matt, I hear a lot of people who may have hesitations just to buy right now, right? They, they hear other professionals, they turn on the news, they know what's going on, right? right? Whether it be the lines out of open houses through the suburbs, the fact that you schedule a showing and then five minutes later, the house is bought. So a lot of people are now wondering, is now a good time, right? Should I be out there looking? Should I try to buy? And what's your take on that? It really comes down to your personal situation. What I come back to in these moments is, is twofold. Number one, buying a home is an extremely personal goal and process. Some do it because they need a place for their family to live. Some do it because they're looking for a secondary source of income. Some do it because they're looking for a vacation home, right? Yeah. So understanding your priorities is probably where I would start with that question because you can really get far in understanding what's available to you if you know what you want to accomplish. Exactly. But building off of that, let's just look at smart money, if you will. So all through this time, even with interest rates rising, the major investors that you see out there, the investors that buy hundreds of properties, if not thousands of properties a year, have continued to gobble up, particularly single family homes, right, at mass scale. So if your hesitation is, 
interest rates rising tell me I shouldn't buy a home right now. Historically speaking, that is not accurate, right? right? Interest rates are low compared to where they've been historically. It's a rapid correction to where they were three months ago. But to say that we're, you're getting a poor interest rate today, I think would be a mistake. Absolutely. In the context of the last 20 years. I mean, like we had said, our parents' first interest rate was 13, 14%. Right? You so know? context is everything on that front. Yep. I also, I'm not a particularly big fan of what I would call uh, planning or waiting for the worst. There is certainly an argument to be made that you could sit here and wait and hope that the bottom falls out on Chicago pricing and that interest rates come down and you'll get a much better deal in 12 months. I don't know where that data exists that points to that happening. Yep. We don't have the inventory to support prices coming down in any sort of rapid degree. Buyer applications, correct me if I'm wrong, are slowing down. They're slowing down. Okay, They're slowing so down, you know. buyer pool is kind of decreasing, meaning what is for sale should stay on market longer, yep. lower competition. So, I mean, those are not indicators in my mind of a market that is set to crash, right? Exactly. And I think we'll probably address that head on later. But yeah. if I'm thinking about that logically, would I wait? I don't know that you're going to get a better deal by waiting. And the biggest outside variable in that, and maybe where I'll take this next for you, is where are interest rates going to be in 9, 12, I mean, three months, shit, you know, where, where are interest rates going and how will that impact your search? Well, certainly, right. And just to touch on your piece a little bit, we're still getting contracts right now. People are still buying right yeah, now, right? right. So, I mean, if and when you need to buy, it's still better than renting, right? It right. Always, it's always going to be better than renting. If your baseline is rent, yeah. <laughs> you should buy. You should buy, right? If that's the case, right? Like, like it's always going to be better than renting, yes. right? That being said, everything that I'm reading and seeing, you know, is it's saying that we're going to encounter a little bit more volatility here in the summer. Yeah. I mean, inflation always increases in the summer, right? right? What's the Fed been doing to combat inflation? They've been increasing interest rates, mm -hmm. right? So I wouldn't be surprised to see another round of increases here in the summer, right. right? They have taken that 75 BIP off for the time being, which is great, right? Um, but that being said, I'm thinking once we get to the winter, we should start to see interest rates kind of calm down a little bit, Excellent. right? Yeah. Now, again, that that's my that's what I think. We that's hope, what right? I see. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. So a lot of like what we're hearing is just survive this year. Right. And then hopefully things will start to rebound. Interest rates will start to kind of go lower here towards the winter. Right. Right. So, OK, relief is coming. So Anytime. at least we're hoping. Don't hold me to that. But <laughs> right, I mean, that, that that's what I'm reading. That's what I'm seeing. And that's what seems to be the case right now. People are looking at this market, I think, and being stretched financially in a lot of cases, yep. um, particularly if at the beginning of the year with a three interest rate, you were looking at a $500,000 home and now you've got a five two five interest rate. It's up there. It's a much different home, right? Yeah. So what are you seeing? And this is just for buyers in general, not just first time buyers, but what are you seeing in terms of down payments these days? Have interest rates driven buyers to put less down because they're being priced out? Or is that becoming harder to do maybe because interest rates are rising? Well, a little bit, right? So. First and foremost, whenever you're putting on 20%, most lenders or banks are going to charge a premium on the interest rate because they don't have the ability to collect mortgage insurance. Right. Right. So right now, more than ever, I'm actually coaching some people to put down maybe even a little less than 20% to pick up that lower interest rate. Mm -hmm. Right. Also, what we're seeing in terms of not necessarily down payment, but one thing that could affect interest rates are points. Right. We have a lot of people buying points on their interest rates. Personally, I don't love that as an idea. Because 
everything that we're seeing, everything that we're reading, we're going to be refinancing these loans in the next couple of years. Yeah. So for you to take an upfront cost with a break-even point of five years isn't necessarily realistic because chances are we're going to refinance this loan within the next five years. Right. So I have a lot of people asking about points, but I have them straying away because, you know, to 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 increase your payment by thirty bucks a month that we're going to refinance in two years, how much money are you really wasting? Right. Right. As opposed to putting thirty five hundred bucks up front in at points. Right. Okay. Now that's all the stuff outside of down payment, mm -hmm. right? In terms of down payment, you know, a lot of people right now are still trying to put down anywhere from five to 10%, right? I will tell you, unless they have a strong credit profile, 5% down files are having an issue getting through right now. Mm -hmm. And that's just because their payments higher. Right. And yeah, just keeping in mind, I mean, when we talked about this before, the general premise behind a loan is the risk associated with if you're putting lower down payment, they are looking at you as a riskier file because they're assuming that you might not have as strong a financial profile to exactly. back up the payments. Like right? just like for instance, today I did a file five percent down, it wouldn't go through, it wanted a ten percent down yeah. down payment, right? So we are seeing that now more than ever, where some people are still trying to beef up their down payment a little bit to qualify. Right. But again, still I'm urging people to maybe look at less than twenty percent down because right. they could pick up an interest rate benefit. They could do something else with that cash, right? Whether they want to do some projects or rehabs on the house. Right. Right. And then like I had said, these are loans that I, I foresee us refinancing in the next couple of years anyways. Well, I do think we're going to see a shift in this, too, because um, for a while, the stock market was doing so exceptionally well, or crypto was on such a bull run that people saw legitimate arguments to be made that they should sink their capital into those investments rather than their home, just yep. based on the returns that they were seeking to get. Yep. I think now with those markets in a major pullback, huh? right, and we're seeing home prices still stay strong and appreciating in many areas, it actually seems like a better investment vessel for some to sink a higher down payment in. Yeah. Now, you know, counteract that with the fact that your average home time, first time home buyer, I think does five to 7% down. So you've got both in the marketplace. Right. Um, but I do think that we're slowly seeing sort of an economic focus back on housing, back housing. away from you know, well, the crypto stuff, I mean, I don't even understand that to the gosh, most part, right? Strap in, baby. It's a roller coaster ride. And now they're just trying to add it into my process a little bit, too, which has just been a little bit. It was only is, a matter of time. Which has been a lot, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think many people are making a lot of money off that anymore, at least it seems. I saw the other day that all profits from the last year have been wiped out. So okay. uh, so if you sold high, congratulations. If not, uh, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Maybe think about buying a home now, right? Yep. You're talking about people maybe sinking some money into their house, mm -hmm. right? And now more than ever, I'm getting questions about rehabs and possibly putting money into the house, mm -hmm. especially with the cost of goods of that work going up. It's gone through the roof, right? Remember when timber was at one point higher than just buying like the Trex alternative, which is the crazy to think that your composite is below your wood. Which is just nuts. Right. Right. So, so how are you seeing people handle that in the marketplace? What are they doing? Are they handling it in a specific way? Or is that something where it's just, hey, you got to deal with it. This is what it is. You know, it, it's, it is twofold. I do think, and uh, we, we've had a legitimate problem where people, because of inventory being so limited, are unable to find the home that perfectly meets their move-in ready requirements. Correct. So the natural shift there is one of two things. One, increase your price point, see if you see anything different. Yeah. If that's not an option, then consider projects where you can add value or rehab to make them what you want them to be, yeah. right? So I do think there has been a shift from buyers who are frustrated with the move-in ready inventory they're seeing or maybe just not seeing yeah. 
to rehab projects. I mean, it's funny you bring that up because I feel like two years ago, I didn't hear rehab once. Right. I, someone asked me about it every day right now. Yeah. Right. And essentially, you know, if we could paint this picture, you want to buy 500, mm -hmm. right? You've put an offer on 10, $500,000 houses. Right. Okay. You just can't win one. Yeah. Right. They keep getting overbid. Cash keeps winning, whatever it might be. You don't have the down payment. You got right. 10% as opposed to 20. You just can't win. Right. Right. So, you know, these people that need to buy, you know, what they're looking to do now is maybe buy a project. Right. Exactly. Maybe buy a house that isn't necessarily at their price point. Maybe it's a little worn. Maybe it needs a little bit of rehab. They're maybe looking at 300,000 with 200,000 down yeah. on, on a rehab. Right. Which those products do exist. Right. Those are out there. And you work with your lender as well as a general contractor to make sure you can get that product done. So you're saying an actual, like a rehab loan, right? Where part yeah. of the, the loan financing is attached to the rehab project to be done on that property. Correct. Hey, Derek, we like this house. It's 300. We need to put on a bathroom, another room, and as well as we need to fix a wall. We need about $200,000. Right. Now, in that instance, yeah, this buyer was already pre-approved for 500000 so there are no issues. Right. Right. Now, it's worth stating that this is a different loan, right? Typically cost might be a little bit higher, the interest right. rate might be a little bit higher, but this is always an option for someone who might be struggling, right? These are nearly perfect for your people who are your first time home buyers, are buying in that price point that they're seeing some competition from some move up buyers, right? right? And they don't have 20% down, or they don't have the credit profile that they may need, mm -hmm. right? So they can go into these other houses where they may be a little bit higher tier than some of that competition, win those deals, and then in that instance, they'd be able to put the money into the house. And right. It. It, it's interesting to me because I think these same buyers that are calling you and asking about loan products available to help them do rehab are probably the buyers that are calling me and asking me about how do you feel about rehabbing homes with rehab prices being so high? Yeah. Um, it is a difficult conversation for some. I think the traditional flipper mindset and some of the profit margins that they got used to through the years probably disappeared in the last 12 to 18 months, or certainly they had to scale back expectations. Yep. Um, there are, are many people flipping with plenty of success in marketplaces all around Chicagoland and elsewhere, but I think they're just doing it with different expectations, you know, yeah. uh, and they're building in higher buffers for construction costs, higher t or longer timelines for getting contractors in. You know, there's just certain things that are unavoidable at this point. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be nowhere you can turn that's going to be easy right now. Right. So right. Um, is it where I would be careful with this is you do need to remember that you make your money when you buy. Right. Yep. So if you are paying over lists, you've now bid a property up, the value is already higher than you were comfortable for, and you're going to take on a premium of doing the rehab, you really need to take the financial considerations of that very seriously, sir. you know, because God forbid that rehab project ran away from you and you've got costs beyond what you thought you would have. Now you could be underwater much quicker than you thought. And your likelihood of making it up down the line, if you overpaid was already impacted by the fact that you overpaid in the first place. For sure. Right. So I do think that if you're going to take a rehab on, there's, I wouldn't say there's any reason not to do it but you need to be very specific about what numbers you're running, how long you're gonna hold that property, yep. and 
be careful with what you're paying. Well, and certainly it's worth noting that, you know, oftentimes people think this is a program where you're getting a check at the end of closing. Yeah, right? only, right? <laughs> Which would be nice, right? Which yeah. that used to be the case, yeah. okay? That's not the case anymore, okay? Yeah. So understand and know that these properties are gonna be appraised off of the work, right? They wanna make sure that the money that you're putting in is gonna coincide with the value increase, right? Right. But also you need to work with bank approved contractors, mm -hmm. okay? So that could be a deterrent they for a They give you a GC, right? You have a GC assigned to- Cor Correct, yeah. right? They, they, have, they have their referred or preferred people that they would rather use. You can always get your individual, G you can get your individual approved, mm -hmm. right? But you know, the, you can't take advantage of your cousin that does bricking. Right. You're not going to get a check to go to Home Depot and to do this project. Right. Do the showers yourself. Correct. So you need to have, make sure you have plans, specs, inventory, cost of goods. You need to have everything lined up. So it's a great program for somebody who's seriously ready to take on a rehab project, construction, GC, contract crew and all. Right. You need to be you might have someone to live for a couple months. And has a place to go. Right. Yeah. So, again, it's a great product. It's out there. There's a little bit more steps than most people will oftentimes think, but right now we're hearing about it more so than ever because it's an option. Yeah. Right. It, it's right. a way for people to get into houses. Yeah. You know, um, going into that, is Chicago in a bubble? I, you know, I, I don't think so. I, I really, and I say that confidently because there's no data to support what a bubble is, right? So a bubble, if we're thinking about the housing collapse that has happened in the past, you had people buying into adjustable rate loans where the interest rates bubbled, they couldn't keep up with the payments, they fell behind, all of a sudden there was a massive mortgage crisis, the underlying market collapsed. Correct. The essence of a bubble is pretty simple. You have rising prices, similar to what happened in 2008, hitting a peak where they pop and values reset to some new much lower level. Correct. The underlying data for that is not supported in Chicagoland. If we look at Chicago pre-COVID, Chicago was one of the only undervalued metropolitan areas in the United States. Of the top 20 largest metropolitan areas, it was the only undervalued city. Gotcha. So when you see what's happened over the last couple of years with value sort of rapidly appreciating, have we increased above what we would have in a standard year? Absolutely. But we more or less got back on track with where we should have been. Exactly. You know, values were already lagging a little bit in Chicagoland. So we're just playing catch up, right? It's catch up, right? And now, do I think that we will continue to see appreciating at such a rapid rate? No. I mean, that's unsustainable in every way. So I do think we will start to see a curving off and a leveling off of property values. I would expect by the end of 2022, we should be about flat or close to flat. Well, just like we mentioned, mortgage applications are dropping right now, and that's right. gonna do nothing but help value start to kind of recover, bounce back a little bit. Right. Because there's not just a frenzy out there of houses. Right. Right, where it's anyone and everyone, they wanna overpay for this house. Exactly. But here's my fear, and this is sincere, because I think there are a lot of buyers out there who let this idea of there might be a bubble prevent them from getting engaged. Yeah. And what this makes me think of is, I remember a year ago talking to buyers when the interest rate was at 275, and they were saying, well, a bubble's coming and I'm gonna wait. And now those same buyers don't have a house, their rent went up 10%, they have an interest rate over five, and they can't buy anything. And yeah. that, I mean, waiting like that is so dangerous because again, hoping for failure is not a strategy. No. So when I look at this, the data doesn't support a bubble. It is going to be more expensive here. Rent is going to be higher here. Property values went up. Property taxes went up. Mortgage interest rates went up. All of that increases cost of ownership and all of that increases rent. So 
I just think that people really need to, I mean, accept it. It is what it is. Chicago is more expensive than it was two years ago, and we're not going to crash back to that value in the foreseeable future. And I think on top of, you know, there's, there's the one question is, are we in a bubble? And I think that directly relates to people buying a home. There's the secondary follow-up on that is that tenants who are not really paying attention to the housing market, or maybe they are, but loosely, have seen their rent go through the roof. I mean, uh, I thought you said 10% year over year. 10% right? year over year, over 10% slightly year over year. From March rent to 2021, March rent 2022 is up 10% in Chicago. Could you imagine the person who wanted to wait last year when rates were 2.75%? Right. And where they're sitting now. Now they can't buy a house. They just their, got their rental renewal. Rent's going up 30%. 30%. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's tough, right? And I, I feel for tenants who are in this position. I do think we are seeing, we are literally watching the pricing out of Chicagoland for some individuals. And yeah. that's unfortunate, but it's reality. And again, we've talked about it briefly earlier, where this is coming from is pretty easy to track. It's not like rent is a mystery. You are covering your landlord's costs, plus a little bit of profit if they're lucky, right? Their costs are their mortgage, their costs are their property taxes, their costs are the HOA fees that they have on that property and any maintenance, right? So mortgage, the interest rates have gone through the roof. Any new landlord is going to directly charge you as a tenant for their interest rate. 100%. Right? I mean, it all goes downhill. Goes without saying, you know, that's the famous term, you're paying somebody else's mortgage. You're paying somebody else's you're mortgage. You're literally paying somebody else's mortgage. And if their mortgage is more expensive, your rent is more expensive. So that's this the way it all, works. It, now it happens on a trailing factor. So if mortgages went up in this year, you might not see rent directly reflect that in the next six months, but you will certainly see it on the next renewal cycle next year, right? Yep. So people think they're getting slammed with rent this year. Wait for 2023, yep. just wait. Because the other thing that happened is Chicago reassessed our property taxes this year. 2021 into 2022, people got their new property bills. Some were able to contest, some were not, but they went up significantly. Yeah. So that has also increased in rent. I read right? in some instances 30%. Some instances were 30%. It's unbelievable. So I think all of that plays into, is rent going to continue going up? Yeah, most likely. Uh, yeah, I don't see that. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> at least for the next year or two. Especially when I look around at all these brand new rental buildings that they're putting up and they're all luxury with studios starting at 3000. And I mean, this is where Chicago rental is headed. We're, you know, so last question here from the audience. I had a buyer, unfortunately his deal fell apart. He's now curious. What are the most common reasons that deals fall apart? Uh, I can tell you in this case, it was an appraisal issue, but I'd love to hear your, your stance on why things fall apart. Appraisal is a big one, especially right now. Right. Everyone and anyone are overpaying for houses. What do they use to protect themselves? The appraisal. Yeah, I know. And unfortunately, with overbidding, it's likely to miss. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, that being said, what I'm seeing now more than ever is people canceling due to inspection. Ah, so uh, inspection is so unsatisfactory or they can't reach a conclusive, you know, negotiated terms on the items and they just back out. Yep. Now, that being said, that's on the surface. Right. Right. Me personally, I think a lot of people are rushing into decisions right now. Yeah. Right. And why wouldn't they? Okay. And what I mean by that is you're going to see a house. You have five other couples behind you. You know, for a fact, there's three other offers on table. What are you going to do if you want that place? Right. Yeah. You're going to put in an offer. Right. And you're getting pretty, pretty aggressive because you want to win that place. And we talked about this coming out of March when we had a frenzy of activity at the end of March. And what you and I both said is it feels like a lot of this is just not real. And, and I think that's what ended up being true is people made 
rapid decisions based on a data that wasn't fully available to them. They were trying to beat everyone, but not really thinking about what they needed. Yep. And then waking up 48, 72 hours later and going, oh shit, what did I do? Maybe, maybe that electrical box is problematic. Now. Right? right? And an inspection, love it or hate it, in the state of Illinois creates a very real flexible gray period for buyers to cancel contracts. hundred um, percent. Gives them a lot of flexibility. And that's not to say, I don't think that's a bad move, right? That's exactly yeah. what I would do. You're talking about buying a $500,000 house, spend 500 to get the house, to get the home inspected. Right, right? exactly. Because I'm sure we can both sit here for hours and tell you the nightmares of people that have passed closes. And we absolutely can. And what you might consider to be a major issue, somebody else might disagree with you on. I mean, you're buying what you expect to be a property delivered in a certain state. If it's not like that, there's a legitimate case to be made. You, you just hope it is lands on ears that aren't deaf. Exactly. Exactly. So I think I think the inspection is a huge piece right now. And I think people are using that almost as a pencil to, to hide their cold feet. Yeah. Right. So it's inspection, appraisal, and indecision. <laughs> Those indecision are what kills the deals. Big one, yeah. right? But I mean, again, I understand because right now people now more than ever are being yeah. pressured to move forward on a place. Right. Move and forward that, and move forward quickly. Correct. Right. And that's not because we're in a position that we want them to get going. We want them to put an offer and we want them to win a place. Right. That's because they have to. That's because yeah. best and finals do by five. Right. Right. And if this is a place that they want and they have a likelihood of winning it, we're going to coach them to, 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 to approach right. it and win it. Right. Right. So I think the inspect, like I said, the inspection now more than ever is huge. Also, we're finding more so for condos. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have recently added a new step to the condo process, which is looking at the condition of properties. Oh, interesting. Okay? And this was all based off of that condo building that had collapsed in Florida a couple right. of years ago, okay? Which just had heinously overlooked repairs, maintenance, and everything. So whenever Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which are the governing institutions of our industry, enact a new law or enact a new guideline, they always approach that with the utmost, you know, they're very conservative, right? right? So right now, more than ever, they're, they're really drilling on property condition. They're making sure there isn't any outstanding projects that need to get done. That's another hot item that we're seeing right now as well, too. And that does change things. I mean, if the condo questionnaire can't be answered in a way that is satisfactory, that will absolutely sink a deal, right? I've seen, um, it, I've seen it twice this week. Yeah, you know? yeah. and that's so, going to be something that everybody needs to adjust to. Right, and, and I think that that's going to take a little bit, not more for the industry to catch up to, but for these condo complexes right. to catch up yeah, to. Yeah, it's the condo presidents and... and exactly. Work. So we're finding that to be a giant issue too, primarily because it's new. Yeah. And we need to get caught up to it as well. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, what else can you ask for, Wood, but great user questions? A good discussion about them. We'll do this again. So if you have questions, save them for the next time. You know, I think like like he had said, it just gives us a litmus test of what other people are thinking about and yeah. what else is going on out there. Because we receive questions from agents, from attorneys, from right. buyers, from clients. I mean, it's just good to know that people are are curious about what's going on out there. Right now. Always, always. So this is the point of this show, curiosity and engaging with real estate. So if you like it, like, subscribe, follow. We appreciate it. Comment below if you'd like your questions on the next one we do, and we'll see you next time. Derek, always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.